Hey everybody, welcome to episode 32 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Vines. You can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. In this episode, I have Adam Hutchinson coming on. He's the medical specialist for the Undroppables and a writer for the FF Champs. Today we're going to talk about week four and list some dynasty and redraft ads, as well as some dynasty trade targets, both for and away. So welcome, Adam. How are you? Hey, man. Appreciate you having me back on the show. Always love coming on here, man. Yeah, this is Adam's third. So you've you've officially been on one tenth of the Snake of the Draft podcast. I'm you know what? I feel honored and privileged for you to have <laughs> me on this many times. Uh I, yeah, I, I always like coming on here. Appreciate that. We're going to go to, we have a couple of main talking points uh, related to some players that had an explosion in week four. Also some injuries because Adam is the medical injury specialist. He has his DPT, so he knows what he's talking about. But we're going to go and talk with a guy that exploded in week four. And that's going to be Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon went absolutely bonkers. I actually looked at it, and he was the third highest scorer out of the whole fantasy football season so far. 42.1 fantasy points, had 25 rushing attempts for 151 yards and two touchdowns, as well as six receptions, 30 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, So, Adam, what are your thoughts on Joe Mixon? Because before that, he had five fantasy points, 12.6 fantasy points, then 8.5. He was actually doing worse than he did in 2019. So what are you thinking? You're already starting here, man, getting me all fired up, getting me on my soapbox about Joe Mixon. He had a great game, like you talked about, third highest scoring week. Uh, people, the stuff that I'm seeing on Twitter now, though, is what do we do with Joe Mixon, right? Uh, a lot of people are, is this a sell-high situation? I've got a couple things that I want to talk about Joe Mixon because I was really high coming into this week. Obviously, he had a good matchup, and everyone knows that, but here, here's a couple things. So first of all, we got a ton of injuries in fantasy football right now. A lot of teams are losing their RB1. Joe Mixon has been the stable of durability. The dude just rattled off 32 straight games that he's played. Okay, In 2018, the dude tore his meniscus, played the entire second half of a football game with a torn meniscus, got it scoped. That's usually a three to four week recovery, missed two games, and he came back and played, and he's played 32 straight games. So to me, it's like he's out there on the field. He is playing. If you drafted him, that's your RB1. You are getting stability from this guy. The guy is out there and playing, which a lot of teams can't say right now. Teams that drafted Saquon, teams that drafted Austin Eckler, teams that drafted Nick Chubb, teams that drafted Christian McCaffrey, they're all hurting right now. And you've got your guy, your RB1, still uh, out there, and and he has a history of you know stability. The other thing I want to talk about, and I didn't come up with these stats. These are a guy from uh, the Undroppables, Tommy Mo. If you're not following him on Twitter, he's a great follow. Um, he talked about put out an article last week about buying certain players, uh, buying low on certain players. And Joe Mixon was the first one they talked about. He found a tweet from John Dangle. I think I'm pronouncing that, but basically there's thus far this season, there's only been eight running backs with a greater than 70% workload for their teams. It's Ezekiel Elliott. It's James Robinson. It's Josh Jacobs. It's Derrick Henry. It's Clyde Edwards Hilaire, David Johnson, Miles Sanders, and Joe Mixon. I mean, this is, a workhorse running back and a stable one at that. He had a great game. If you if you had Joe Mixon this week, he won you a week. He's probably not going to score 40 points again. It's not going to happen. But everyone's talking about Gio Bernard, vulturing, you know, the receiving down work. Joe Mixon, six for six on targets, had a receiving touchdown. Gio Bernard didn't have a single target in that game. I'm looking at the stats right here. This is a guy that's establishing himself. 
The Bengals, this is a new team with a rookie quarterback. They're trying to figure their stuff out. Their offensive line is not great, but it's getting better. I just don't know what else you would want from a running back in fantasy football. Like we're, you're, you're, we've been so spoiled with the Alvin Kamara's and and some of the other guys and the Aaron Joneses that we're thinking like this needs to happen every single week to validate what you're getting. And I think with Joe Mixon, like I said, you got a stable player that's getting greater than seventy percent of his workload, and he's evolved in the receiving game. At least he was last week, and I would ho- I would think since they won, actually, that that would continue. Yeah, that's a great point with his durability. That's something I didn't think about related to Joe Mixon, especially with how the season's been going. Like, we just had Nick Chubb end up on IR. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Austin Eckler's going to miss, like, a month to a month and a half. Uh, obviously, injuries do happen, and they're freak injuries, but also players like, you know, like a Travis Kelsey, like a Joe Mixon, those players that are durable do have a little bit of extra value, especially during this time. Uh, Joe Mixon still makes me a little bit nervous, but you're exactly correct in that there's nobody that you would trade him away for that would feel worth it, especially after this explosion, because the odds are that the workload continues and we don't see Gio Bernard as well because they won that game. Mm-hmm. Coaches like to win. Players like to win. Joe Burrow tweeted out, it feels good to win. Of course it does. So yeah, that's that's a great point with Joe Mixon and his durability. We're going to talk about a couple of other guys that have been hurt for most of the season now on the 49ers. We have Debo and Kittle and... Boy, oh boy, Kittle had himself a day. He balled out. He's actually the tight end six right now after only playing two games. Like, that's just crazy to me. Like, George Kittle had 40 fantasy points in PPR. So if you had a tight end premium league, he was bananas. He he would have had how many fantasy points? If it's two points per reception, like 55. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I play in a, a half point uh, PPR league, but it's a tight end premium, so tight end it gets gets one point. And Joe, uh, George Kittle, I think, won that that guy's matchup. He was going into the Sunday night game like down, I think twenty five or something, and he's up right now with Mahomes coming in. Like he's in he's in a really good spot. George Kittle probably won New Year week as well. Yeah, and then we have Debo as well. Uh, he currently played twenty five snaps, which was thirty four percent of the snaps. Uh, in week four and then Kittle had he was on the field a ton 72 snaps for 98.6 percent so what are your thoughts on these players going forward I feel like because Kittle just went bonkers you feel pretty good about him but what about Debo yeah the Debo is a good one it's tough I might it would depend on you know how injury riddled my team is and what situations you are. I think if you can sit Debo for another week is probably where I would go. You point out the good stat. He only played about 34% of the snaps. I will say what was encouraging about watching that game is they definitely dialed up some plays for him. They called a screen for him early. They called a reverse handoff for him early. And those are things that he did a lot for them last year. And they like to get him involved in, in, in those situations to get the ball in his hand. It wasn't like he was just out there. And they're like, all right, Debo, just go run some routes. We're not really going to involve you heavily. If you get the ball, you get the ball. Like there was a game plan for him, right? Kyle Shanahan made it an emphasis. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that at a higher snap share. Um, I don't think that they're rushing out to get him. Brandon Ayuk looked really good. I mean, George Kittle obviously stole the show, but Brandon Ayuk had himself a good game as well. I think we see a ramp up. And George um, Debo Samuel snap count, 34%. I'd like to see him around that 50% mark before I'd feel comfortable about projecting, you know, maybe next week that he could come back and, and have a big game. So obviously he's an exciting player. He could break off a run at, at any point. Um, 
but I the 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 volume is is enough of a concern that if I trying to sit him one more week. Yeah, I, I agree, Adam, about Debo. He's been someone that I've stashed in a couple of leagues, and uh, it's definitely been sucky with the first start because especially with this injury riddled season, if you don't have enough IR spots, you're in a rough spot. There's one league that I'm in. It's a it actually has no IR spots. I'm gonna pull it up real quick, but. My team is so injury riddled, it's depressing. Like I have on my bench, I had Adam Humphreys, which was postponed. So this is partly postponements as well. AJ Brown, who he's been hurt, Zach Moss, Debo Samuel, and then I had Boston Scott. So yeah, it's definitely been one of those things that it depends on how your league is set up. I think Dynasty, he could still be a potential buy low candidate. It just depends on most people are holding strong. And that's with a lot of these. Someone posted on Twitter like, oh, the way to succeed, according to Twitter, you buy low, you sell high, and then you you get a reward, which it's not that simple because you have that that opportunity cost for a lot of people that uh, it could also be called, I think, some cost fallacy, technically. I don't know. A bunch of big words that are economics. So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. We'll start talking about some Austin Eckler. So he uh, was having a good week in week three, or he had a great week in week three, and then week four, he just destroyed his hamstring. He's, he's looking like he's going to be out four to six weeks, and they're saying it's a hamstring injury from a hyperextended knee. Uh, it's also reported that Eckler was seen with a crutch and a brace after the game. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Eckler, and what do you think is like a realistic timeline for him to return? So we got some reports this morning that were, that were interesting about about Austin Eckler, where um, they were talking about he's going to miss a decent amount of time. They're still waiting on some some preliminary results or some some testing and things like that. I was a little bit nervous because I thought, it, based on that initial report, reading in between the tea leaves, I thought there was a chance that it was going to be a grade three hamstring strain, which would essentially be a season ender. Um, I think what they went back and they came out and said it was a grade two hamstring strain, which is better. But the fact that there was this vagueness about the initial report tells me he's probably got a lot of inflammation and bruising in that hamstring. And for those of you that haven't like significantly strained your hamstring, when it's a grade two or grade three, that muscle group is so well vascular, uh, innervated by blood vessels and things like that, that you bruise really easily. It's, it looks like somebody beats beat you up the back of your leg with like a baseball bat. That's how bad it bruises. It's, it's pretty interesting to see for the first time. It can be kind of shocking. So I bet Eckler's got a lot of inflammation and bruising. I think it's going to be a multi-week injury. They speculated that he was going to be on IR. I haven't seen that they placed him on IR yet. I would be shocked if he didn't go on IR. I think with the IR being three weeks, he's, it's an automatic that he's going to pop up on there. I think with a grade two hamstring strain, the treatment that these guys are going to get, the shape that they're in, uh, I think it's realistic to see him back somewhere in that five to six week range. Usually for a grade three hamstring, they say about three to six weeks, which gives some vagueness. But I think when we kind of read into between the tea leaves, you look at Austin Eckler, when it happened to him, we couldn't even put weight on it, right? There was He was obviously in a lot of pain. I think it's probably a pretty significant hamstring strain that I would push out about five or six weeks gotcha yeah i think that's that's realistic especially like with these uh i actually really like the new ir rule i know it was i think it was poly sleepers at poly sleepers put on twitter that he thinks it should be a new thing and i actually agree because then it it probably helps the real nfl because then they're like okay this player is off of the 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 team for three weeks and they'll come back and then mm-hmm. for fantasy football it's beneficial because you know okay this guy is out for three weeks like 
Uh, we'll talk about Nick Chubb in just a sec. He's out for three weeks. We know for sure. And then Sony Michelle ended up on IR, which we're not going to talk about him today because it was an uh, injury. I think the Patriots may just be using that IR like hotcakes, you know, just sort of using it to their own advantage. Yeah. Not exactly sure. Yeah. Uh, that's a Patriots thing. But we're going to go to Zach Moss next. He's missed the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. He's actually going to coincide with who my dynasty cell is, which people probably already know who that is. But what are you thinking about Zach Moss? Yeah, so we're talking about Zach Moss here. I think he was pretty close to playing last week. Um, from the stuff that I've read and some people I've talked to, you know, turf toe is, is difficult. It sounds like he was really close. I'd expect him to be back next week, though, uh, based on everything that, that we're seeing and the fact that I think he there was a real chance that he was questionable heading into, the, into this week. Another guy that is, got hurt was Noah Fance. Uh, he's currently expected to miss next week with a uh, sprained ankle. And then I know you posted on Twitter a couple of times about your thoughts on his injury. So what are you thinking about Fant? So, yeah, when, when I saw that Fant injury originally, I was a little bit concerned because you saw his left foot get rolled up on and it was similar to a mechanism injury that I would see with like a turf toe. So I wanted to get uh, another angle of that video before I – you know, felt good about kind of projecting what what was going on there. And going back, I saw through the coach's film on uh, NFL Game Pass, you could see that his toe actually doesn't really get rolled up on. It's a classic inversion ankle sprain, what I would expect uh, when somebody reports that injury. So the ligaments on the lateral side of the ankle, um, usually the timeline for that is about two to four weeks. So that was the other thing is they came out originally and said, oh, it's a minor ankle injury. It won't be a big deal. And then they came back out the next day and said, well, he might miss some time. So the fact that they're hovering between not being a big deal and then maybe going to miss some time, I think two weeks, maybe three is probably what you're going to be without no offense, but it, you shouldn't be without him pretty very long. The fact that they probably won't put him on IR would tell me back that he could come back in a week or two. That's that's a great point too with the IR because that's something you can now use as like a timeline. Like if players aren't on the IR, then it's most likely you know a one to two week thing. Versus if it's going to be three weeks, why not just put them on the IR, get a free roster spot opened up? Uh, like our next guy, Nick Chubb, he he's on the IR with an MCL sprain, and so that means he's going to be at least out three weeks. So that that's nice, realistic. You know, he's going to be out three weeks. So do you think that's a realistic timetable though with Nick Chubb coming back? So usually with an MCL sprain, I would say it is, but from reading the Browns reports, they said it might be like a six weeks injury. So that tells me that that was a pretty significant MCL sprain. Probably, you know, we talked about a grade two hamstring strain with Austin Eckler. We're dealing probably with a grade two MCL sprain with Nick Chubb. Um, the thing about the MCL, what's, what's nice about this injury is it's a thick band. It's it, but you need it for some lateral agility and things like that, moving side to side and some stability there, but you can get a lot of that through an, a nice knee brace. So Nick Chubb's going to be on R. He's definitely going to miss at least three, three games. I think it's a more significant injury. You probably see him miss four, maybe five weeks. I know they're saying six weeks. I think there's a, there's a small window for him to return before that, but you're definitely going to be without Nick Chubb that now that he's on IR. Gotcha. And that also gets to the point of like when he comes back, do you want to start him? Like I think in redraft, you can make an argument for not starting him now. Most dynasty leagues, you probably should because you usually don't have a ton of depth, you know, because it's, I guess it's similar depth wise, but if you have a lot of younger pieces, your depth's pretty, pretty shot. But mm-hmm. yeah, Nick Chubb hopefully comes back sooner than later. Hopefully everybody comes back sooner than later. We'll see. Uh, yeah. But we do have 
player next. He's out for the year. We have Saquon Barkley. So what do you think about Saquon? I know we talked before about Preston Williams going to 2020 and you having your, your reservations about him and expecting him to start off a little bit slow with his ACL tear. But he also had his tear a little bit later than Saquon. But mm-hmm. another side note is I've heard Saquon's ACL tear and all of that may have been a little bit more severe than most cases. So what do you think about Saquon? So, Jacob, this is where you and I might disagree on some things because I, I saw you posted some things on there about about Saquon Barkley, and I, I think they're valid points, and a lot of people share those opinions. For me, what I've been doing, um, I've when we can talk about this trade, I think sometimes it, it helps it gets good inside. I by accident, I didn't go out looking for it, but someone came to me that had Saquon Barkley, and I actually traded for Saquon Barkley in Dynasty, and I'm okay holding him and trading for him in Dynasty if the, if the price is right. Yes, he had that ACL tear, and um, a lot of people point out, a lot of people that I that I respect and talk to on Twitter uh, talked about how for running backs that can be a significant injury coming off a, a year after an ACL tear um, can be a, a hindering factor. It can be a significant injury. And you, those, those position players usually struggle with that. I think a guy that, that you work with at, at dynasty nerds, dynasty uh, FF physio talked about, talks about this in terms of, of running back production. I think it's a fair point. My counterpoint to that though, is it's Saquon Barkley. And I know that maybe doesn't do a lot for people. I think this provides a small window in dynasty fantasy football leagues to acquire Saquon Barkley, where most years you would never be able to pull off that trade or trade for him, right? If you have Saquon Barkley on your team, it's because you had the rookie 101 and you drafted Saquon Barkley, or you invested a first round pick in him and probably a top five first round pick in him in your in your startup draft. Yeah, and I think that's a good point with athleticism because I know that there is some research behind like athleticism in general means that people recover better and a little bit quicker, hopefully. But uh, what is your what's the trade you made for Saquon? So, oh yeah, that's it. So, um, I and this is gonna look okay now. The guy that had him was a I wasn't gonna win this year. It's a super flex sixteen team league, so I mean it gets shallow real quick. Uh, I'm pretty much not in contention after three weeks. I drafted a lot of youth players, so I drafted guys like Tua and Jordan Love just to kind of stash and, and plan for the future. But this guy was a contender, and he said, hey, um, I'm looking for a running back that I can use to try to win the championship this year. Um, what about Jonathan Taylor for Saquon? And I was like, well, if I'm giving up Jonathan Taylor, like I want a first-round pick in return, even if I'm getting Saquon. So I talked him down to Nick Chubb. So I ended up trading Nick Chubb and I wasn't crazy about this trading DJ Chark. I really like DJ Chark, but I ended up trading Nick Chubb and DJ Chark and I got Saquon Barkley, Preston Williams and KJ Hamler in return. You can tell me honestly what you think about that. No, I, I think it's fine. I actually made a, a trade in uh, another league that I, or differently that I wasn't contending in. And I did golf a mid to late 2021 first and T Higgins for Barkley. So that's a lot better than what, what I gave up for him. <laughs> um, I honestly, it's if this happened to, um, I'm trying to think of some running backs. Like if this happened to Chris Carson, or if this happened to, I'm trying to think of someone in that same tier, like, if Todd Gurley had another ACL tear, that's probably a bad example. I'm, I'm trying to think of a running back kind of in that range. 
um, that middling tier that if like Melvin you know, Gordon, honestly, he's okay. A, yeah. He's yeah. Mel, Melvin Gordon. Like if that had happened, Leonard Fournette, someone in that tier, I'm not making the same trade to, it's just for me, when I look at Saquon Barkley, I just look at somebody that's totally different. The athleticism is off the charts. I think that could potentially help him in his recovery. I know you touched on, it might be a more significant injury ACL and something else on top of that. ACL is going to be the main limiting factor there. I just look at a guy that I'm like, man, you any other year, unless this happens to him, you you would never be able to get Saquon Barkley, and I'm willing to shoot that shot. I'm willing to invest in Saquon Barkley and have him come back and not be the same and say, well, at least I tried to get the best player, the best running back, or one of the best running backs in fantasy football. Like This is the time, if you're not a contender, to kind of shoot your shot and see if you can get one of the, you know, a top two fantasy run, a dynasty running back. And it also plays to more of the idea behind retooling slash rebuilding of get players that are on IR because they're not going to be scoring fantasy points for you. So you get a very, very high, if not the 1.01 draft pick that then sets you up for the future even more. Exactly. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about, like Cortland Sutton, Saquon Barkley. Like I actually have both of them in the league that I just traded for Saquon and my team is actually falling apart pretty pretty badly. It's it's not pretty right now, but I'm fine with that because if you're retooling, rebuilding, a loss is a win. And I talked about that on a previous podcast. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on a trade that I actually traded away Saquon. Uh, this is a this actually looks a little bit better now that Nick Chubb is currently injured. Uh, I traded away Saquon a 2022 first, a 2022 second for Jonathan Taylor and Kareem Hunt. So I like that a lot because I'm a big Jonathan Taylor fan. And especially if you're a contender right now and you just picked up Kareem Hunt and Jonathan Taylor, like you're going to be humming. Um, so I, I like, I like that a lot. I think um, you definitely, you know, you definitely paid up for those guys, but getting Jonathan Taylor and dynasty, I, there's a, this is probably a conversation for a different show because I watched a lot of that Colts bears game and I was disappointed in Jonathan Taylor's usage, but I still have faith. Um, you realistically, if we were doing startups next year in 2021, there's a chance that Jonathan Taylor's a top three pick realistically. I actually, right now have Jonathan Taylor above Saquon. Uh, I think just with the injury and then also the production that, you're going to lose with if you have Saquon on your team. I think Saquon or Saquon for me is my dynasty RB six right now mm-hmm. behind Chris or Clyde Edwards, Alaire, uh, Kamara, Zeke, CMC and JT. So yeah, that's, that's how I have it. And I think that's reasonable. And then I, if, if uh, Saquon Barkley explodes, you know, at the start of the season, which very well he could, uh, then, you know, he'd, he'd move up the rankings again. It would honestly mm-hmm. take a little bit, but he would. Can I can I make a point because I, I like the point too that you made about you know retooling and, and, and things like that. For sure. Sometimes I think that gets lost in the sense that like I'm going to trade for as many first round picks as I can get, but even in rookie drafts, like first round picks don't always hit. You know what I mean? Like if you had a first round pick this year that wasn't top two and didn't get Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and got somebody like uh, DeAndre Swift or a Jalen Rager guys. I'm, I'm excited about Jerry Judy guys. I'm excited about long-term, but they're not really like helping you right now in the sense that you're, they're helping you actively win games. We're in the, there's a real possibility that 
the timeline, Saquon could be ready for week one next year. And maybe it takes a little bit of time to adjust, but you've seen Saquon Barkley like work in fantasy football. You've seen him succeed at the NFL level. Some of these other guys we haven't, it's, it's, it's a lottery ticket. So when you're rebuilding in that way to get like an established player, like a Saquon Barkley, I think is the better route to go because you, in a sense, you know what you're going to get. Yeah, you're, you're speaking my language right there. That's something I've talked about a lot. If you're trading away a stud, don't just get draft picks. That's how you end up setting yourself back multiple years because the odds are that you're like early, your wide receivers you draft really early. Like CD Lamb is a, well, I guess the last couple of years we've had a lot of guys hit early, but in general, wide receivers don't hit year one. Running backs typically do, but we're seeing this year, it's really just Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Alaire getting the opportunity. And with quarterbacks, Joe Burrow's been really surprising to me, and even Justin Herbert. But in general, you don't see those rookies take it right away. And so if you're trying to retool for a year, you're exactly correct. Get yourself some Saquon or hold on to that rookie pick until the draft and trade it away. Like, don't yeah. feel like you need the young toys. Like, get get your get yourself a quarterback of Jared Goff plus something versus picking up a quarterback of the 1.04. Like, that's going to help you win. Yeah, and, we'll, and I think we're going to talk about a couple of those guys that I really like in, in Dynasty and you really like in a little bit here. Yeah, let's let's go in and get into some Dynasty ads, which uh, this first guy, I'm going to talk about my guy first, Dearness Johnson. I think I said his first name correctly. He's the running back for the Browns, and he is my top ad of the week, and I think he's going to be a top redraft ad, top Dynasty ad. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough to get him, especially if you don't have all your fabs saved up, which if you listen to the show, you probably don't because in Dynasty, I like to just spend my fab at the start because you never know when these guys are going to just show up out of nowhere. So you could have spent a ton of fab and got Mike Davis and been ecstatic over the last couple of years, but anyway, a couple days, weeks. There we go, weeks. So anyways, <laughs> the Browns, as I said, they lost Nick Chubb for at least three weeks. And uh, also Johnson out-touched and had more yards than Kareem Hunt in week four. The only reason Hunt managers, including myself, are not panicking is because Hunt had two touchdowns, but still, Johnson is getting the touches. I would spend, if I didn't really need a running back and I just more wanted a depth piece, like 40% of my fab, but if I'm like hurting or if I just lost Nick Chubb and I need someone to fill in potentially, I'd go up to 60 70%. That's one of the things. I'm not shy of spending fab in Dynasty because if you ever like really wanted fab again, you could trade a third round draft pick, fourth round draft pick for some fab, or just trade those picks away for these players. Because if I'm a if I'm a retooling rebuilding team, I'm spending fab to get these players to trade them away later. Like that's that's my goal. And um always be looking to add players like Johnson who can get a high workload for a couple of weeks in Dynasty and redraft. Uh, because you can always drop on like Mike Davis once CMC's back, he's gonna go back to the waiver wire. But you know what? You had him for three weeks and he probably helped you score points. Also one fun fact Johnson was 15th in total carries during week four and had only 0.1 fantasy points less than Miles Sanders in a PPR league. Obviously, that doesn't matter because, I, I mean, the Eagles haven't fallen apart, but still, he played well. Oh, and I can't argue with any of that. I think, uh, you know, watching some of that game, the Browns offensive line might be one of the more underrated offensive lines in the NFL. I mean, the holes that they were, and it was against the Cowboys defense, right? But the holes that they were uh, carving out for the Browns running backs, I mean, you could drive a Mack truck through some of those lanes. It was, um, it was impressive. So I, I think we're seeing, and that's the reason I think, like you said, Dernis Johnson succeeded is 
he's he's in a good situation under Kevin Stefanski where they like to run the ball and they scheme up some good plays uh, for for their running backs that you know he's he's gonna it's clear that they don't want one guy to just carry the entire load. It, Kareem Hunt's going to be the guy that's going to get most of that opportunity, but you can see Johnson, you know, get get a couple of those carries as well. Yeah, we could we could see you know Kareem Hunt being an RB one, and then Johnson being a low end RB two, which I would take that all day and redraft and dynasty. And honestly, to piggyback on on yours, I, I wouldn't sleep on Dontrell Hilliard. I mean, if I, everyone's going to go after Johnson, so if you if you don't get a uh, if you don't get Johnson, Hilliard might be one that you could get uh, on a discount just for the same reason that if something happened to Johnson or something happened to Kareem Hunt, he, somebody that could be, you know, vaulted into the, into that position. I was looking at when we were talking, I was looking at the undroppables that we got a guy that does offensive line rankings that uh, he are really good. And right now he's got the Browns as the fourth ranked offensive line. So you want running backs in, in that system. Yeah, and I like the I like the Hilliard uh, talk because he had five attempts for 19 rushing yards, 20% of the snaps. So, yeah, if anything happens to the other guys, he'll be the next man up, and then maybe he'll end up being getting more work than you think. He's a nice like you know zero fab guy in dynasty, especially if you're in a for super sure. deep league. I like it. So, who are your for you sure. have two ads for dynasty? So, who are you thinking? Yeah. So these are these are deep. You know, we're, we're, these are guys that I don't think you'll have to put any fab on. Um, they, one of them might potentially be on your waiver while the other one might. My first one is is David Moore for the Seattle Seahawks wide receiver. I really like uh, what Seattle's doing. They're letting Russ cook, right, and, the, and they're passing the ball around. And it, we've talked about it here. There's been so many injuries this season. If something happened to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, I think the next man up would be David Moore. His snap share is going in the wrong direction. It was at 51% week one, 50 week two, 40 and 35. So you hate to see that. He scored the touchdown this past weekend, which kind of inflated his numbers. But he's more of somebody that I'm investing in the offense, I guess, more than the player and just saying like, hey, there's been a lot of hamstring injuries for wide receivers. If unfortunately that happened to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, who's somebody that I think could emerge in that passing game and David Moore is that guy for me. What do you think? I like it. I think I think Moore is a nice stash in general. At the end of the bench, always look for these guys and always look to recycle. And that's one thing that makes Dynasty fun for me is you ask someone, you're like, oh, hey, let me go add like Cedric Wilson was somebody I said to add because he wasn't on any team. And, you know, just in case someone got hurt. But now we have David Moore who's actually producing. Why not put David Moore instead of Cedric Wilson? And you're not wasting fab. You're just sort of cycling through guys, trying to find the guy that may have value that you can use later. Like like a, someone in week one or week two could have been Moali Cox, you know, and now look, he's the top 12 tight end this week. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, always be cycling. Yeah. And then the other one that I want to talk about, I might catch some grief for this one. I, and I don't know if I'm willing to die on this hill, but it's just a player that I like. And I like what I see when I, when he plays is, is John Ross. Okay. And it's not John Ross for the Bengals because at this point he was a healthy scratch for the second week in a row. It's clear that T Higgins is, is taken his position um, and that they wanted to build some, some rapport between T Higgins and Joe Burrow for, for the future. If you're getting John Ross, it's just that hopefully maybe this season he gets traded to a team that needs a wide receiver and needs a depth piece or, you know, next season as a free agent, he goes somewhere and um, can contribute. 
when we look at him, like honestly, what made me love John Ross was what he did last year, those first couple weeks when he just totally exploded. But when you look at some of the things, like I'm looking at last year's numbers, okay, because that's where he had the biggest sample on the Bengals. And this is the Bengals without AJ Green, but he had the highest average depth per target uh, per game at 15 point, over 15 yards. And then the dude only played eight games but he was second on his team in, in total air yards at nearly 900, and he didn't play as many games as Tyler Boyd or Auden Tate. He's a deep threat speedster that, for whatever reason, didn't mesh in Cincinnati, and it's clear that they've moved on for him, but he's somebody that I would try to get him now, whether he's on your waiver wire or trade for. Like You could probably throw a fourth-round pick at somebody and get John Ross in return, and the chance that he gets traded somewhere or, like I said, signed somewhere next year as a free agent and his value automatically would double from there and you don't have to pay that price to go and acquire him. Yeah, I, I like him too. He's another guy that you can just stash at the end of your bench. And honestly, if you can send a 2021 fourth for anybody with potential upside, why not? Because if we throw John Ross into the rookie draft and you have him be the same age type of idea, like I'm not saying draft capital wise, but he'd be probably a third round pick based off of his speed alone. You know, that's, that's one of those things that you just, again, always be looking to make some moves that have potential because in Dynasty, we really don't know much, and that's the sucky thing. Like, we really don't know a whole lot, especially by seeing, like, Miles Gaskin be the the running back one for the Dolphins. Like, who saw that coming? I know I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> th- these are these are just deep stashes. Not a lot of investment. There's somebody that at the end of the year or even at some point this year you end up cutting, but they're guys that where I have the space, I'm, I'm just trying to acquire them or add them for, for the reason that they. I think there's, whether through more playing time or from changing scenery, they could be somebody that would be a, an interesting play in fantasy football. Yep, I like it. So we're going to go to some dynasty buying cells. I'm just going to have one player. Adam's going to have two. So my cell is going to be Devin Singletary. So Singletary's actually been playing pretty good the last two weeks. He finished as the RB6 so far in week four. It was the RB16 in week three, but both of those were with Zach Moss out. And as Adam was saying, Zach Moss is going to be coming back most likely next week. Obviously, stuff can happen. And before Zach Moss was hurt, Singletary barely broke over 10 PPR points. And one reason that Singletary's had a better amount of or more fantasy points is that in week four singletary had 85.7 percent of the workload week three he had 81 percent while whenever zach moss was on the field he only had 55.2 percent of the opportunity workload of running backs in week one and 59.1 percent in week two so it's just one of those things that if you can move on from him now before people start thinking oh wait that zach moss guy is going to come back and really really mess him over and i'm not saying you're going to be able to really sell high this is just sell to get out because I don't see Singletary being this guy of the future. If anything, I've expected Zach Moss to take over the job eventually. Um, and I know y'all have a term over at uh, the Undroppables that is also a big Moss fan. Uh, but a couple of trades I'd like yes. to do is like, yeah. you know, he's huge. <laughs> uh, but a couple yeah. of trades I'd like to do is uh, move Singletary for Adam Thielen, which there's potential with the Justin Jefferson hype. Also, maybe moving. Uh, Singletary for Robbie Anderson in a 2021 second, or even straight up moving Singletary for Melvin Gordon or David Montgomery. Typically, I don't like to do position for position trades, but that's where you can throw in another wide receiver piece so it doesn't look like that. But the goal is to get rid of Singletary, get someone that I think is more stable or can help you win and get more points now to just set yourself up more for the future as well as for 2020. 
No, I, I love all that. Uh, I, I think you're you're hitting the the sell high uh, window for for Devin Singletary and um, the things that you were saying. I I don't think are are totally unreasonable. You know, sometimes I think people think sell high is meaning like, oh, I'm going to sell Devin Singletary for a first round pick. No one's going to give you that. I mean, so the things that you're asking for an aging wide receiver in Dynasty and Adam Thielen. Um, who a lot, you know, everyone's hyped up about Justin Jefferson. I think it, it is a great piece um, that, you know, Robbie Anderson, people, no one's married to Robbie Anderson at this point in dynasty um, and getting a second round pick in there, or even a third round pick, I think it, it is, a, is a decent price for Devin Singletary. Yeah, I agree. And that's one thing I try to be is as realistic as possible, even though, you know, you're right. It's always like, yeah, I get a 2021 first for him, but in general, you have to, you can't do, the, I talked about this at the beginning, you can't do the sell high, buy low, really. It's not as uh, binary as people like to, to act like it is. It's very much a flow. And sometimes you have to buy high to expect that increase in value. And that's something that like with a Robbie Anderson, he's someone I would buy high because he has a two-year deal. Uh, Bridgewater will probably be the QB next year. So it's just one thing I like. So anyways, let's go to your uh, your guys that you're looking to buy or sell. So I've got two here and they're buys and I'm going to be honest with you, they're buy highs. I mean, I don't think any of these are, are deep sleepers. Everyone knows about these guys, but I'm going to talk about them because I'm really excited about them. And I, I to talk a little bit about the, the strategy of, you know, buying high on them. So my two at this point in dynasty that I really want um, is DK Metcalf and CD lamb. And I'll, I'll talk about them together because I don't think I need to really rattle off stats. You, you've got a smart audience. They know that these guys are really good at, at fantasy football and are young and up and coming players. But I've honestly have just been super impressed with what DK Metcalf has been able to do early. And um, also CD Lamb, I think is totally just, I was a big Michael Gallup fan and I think he's totally leapfrogged him at this point um, in, that, in that Dallas offense. Um, we got a guy at the Undroppables, Jax Falcone at Dynasty Game 3. Shout out to him. He kind of updated his Dynasty rankings this weekend. And when he does stuff like that, I, I tend to pay attention because he, he's really smart. He has a lot of game theory around you know specific players and whatnot. And he moved both DK Metcalf and CD Lamb into his top 10 Dynasty wide receivers, which is pretty significant when you think about it because definitely before the start of the season, they were going high, but they were not going top 10 high. And I think it, it makes sense. We're, we're watching trends. So what I'm trying to do with these guys and even CD Lamb is I'm sending out trade offers for these guys and I'm selling out something that I think is fair or maybe even a little bit overpriced. And I'm trying to get teams that'll send me a, a counter offer. Because I think when te- when you do that, especially if you use like Sleeper and you can do a, a quick counter offer on their app, I think when you send something that's realistic and somebody's like, man, you know what? I can really get, I should be able to get more for these guys, blah, blah. And they counter and they think that it's going to be something that's a little bit outrageous that you won't accept. Sometimes I'm hitting the accept button just because I got an offer out there where in the trade I'm getting CD Lamb and DK Metcalf and I'm treating them like they're top 10 dynasty assets. I'm treating them like they're Calvin Ridley or Kenny Galladay or Michael Thomas or Chris Godwin in dynasty right now, which some of the, the really hard uh, wide receivers to obtain I'm treating them like those guys because they're so young. They're so talented. They're in uh, offenses that are throwing the ball a ton and they're tethered to two really great quarterbacks in Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. 
Yeah, great calls. Uh, I have a couple of trades actually to ask you about. One relates to C.D. Lamb in the offseason. I traded away uh, Baker Mayfield in a 12-team Superflex League for C.D. Lamb and a 2021 first. So wait, you got C.D. Lamb and a 2021 first for Baker? I did. That was that was during like moderate Baker hype in the offseason this coming up year. Be honest with me. Did you just take all your clothes off and run around the room? That's what I would have done. It was around my room and a little bit outside and then ran right back in real quick. But yeah, man, it was, it was I was super happy. No, I, I, dude, I, maybe I'm overzealous here. I'm trying. It's I'm probably too late. Cause he's having a lot of really good games. I was hoping he would get off to a slower start. Um, I don't know why I don't have more CD lamb and dynasty. I just, I, I, that was probably a miss on, on my part. I, I had, for whatever reason, in a lot of um, startups, I was taking other wide receivers in that range. But in a lot of like rookie drafts that I had, either teams I took over or teams that I had were actually kind of bad. And I had I have a lot of Jonathan Taylor in Dynasty, so at that point I lost out on CD Lamb, which I'm not mad about getting Jonathan Taylor, but it, it's just I, I wish I had more. I wish I had more of him. Yeah, that's that's one thing in Dynasty. I typically trade away my rookie picks, so then I end up missing out on these the Jonathan Taylor, CD Lamb. So I think I have two rosters where I have CD Lamb in them, and then one with Jonathan Taylor. So yeah, it's it's a fun ride with them. The one guy I don't have that I wish I did was Clyde Everett Alaire, which if he struggles this week, there's potential. So anyways, let's go straight into some redraft players. So these are going to be some players that may be currently undervalued on the waiver wire or also could make, take a major step forward in week five. So I'm going to start with my guy, Justin Jackson. So he hasn't done anything in 2020. And I think he's on people's radars, but he's on people's radars. It's like a very, very low tier fab ad. And I think with Eckler out, Jackson can find himself split in time with Kelly. And in redrafts, I want a high upside back like Jackson on my bench and you really could probably get him for 5 to 8% of your fab, even though he has the same upside as someone like a Dearness Johnson, who is probably one of the top waiver wire ads for good reason. But I think Justin Jackson is, has equal upside. And if Justin Jackson's on your dynasty waiver wire, which I actually had a couple people ask me if they should drop him, and you know you don't think injuries are going to happen. And I said, sure, because they had a guy, it was a better guy, it was a shallower league, a better guy on the waiver wire. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, if Justin Jackson's out there in dynasty, he should be a priority ad as well with Dearness Johnson. Uh, I like that a lot, and I uh, I was a big Josh Joshua Kelly fan this offseason, but I'll admit, you know, listening to Anthony Lynn talk, who, man, off topic again, but the dude can't even commit to Justin Herbert after what he's been doing and says they're going to kind of reevaluate their QB situation. But say, he must hate rookies because he was kind of noncommittal on, on Joshua Kelly this offseason, and the guy he was actually talking up was Justin Jackson, which made me nervous for how many Joshua Kelly shares I had. And then, like you said, unfortunately, Justin Jackson got hurt. Um, and Joshua Kelly was kind of thrust into that that role. But there's a possibility, and I hope it's not true, because I, like I said, I'm a big Joshua Kelly fan. There's a possibility, though, that um, Anthony Lynn is not a big Joshua Kelly fan either, and that he starts to work in Justin Jackson more and more, and that it becomes more of a timeshare because Justin Jackson was hurt to start the season. Yeah, I don't know about Anthony Lynn. It's it's really frustrating for me because there was a couple leagues where I traded away my 2021 first for Justin Herbert because he's going very, very late first, beginning of the second. And right now those trades are great because Justin Herbert's been doing fantastic. But, you know, if he won't commit to the quarterback and he won't commit to his rookie running back who played well, 
then that definitely is one thing that's super frustrating. I agree. So let's go to who's your redraft player you're looking at. So I'm actually going to pivot here because uh, you and I talked about somebody else, but I just thought of somebody and he's going to be a player that uh, I'm going to be writing about this week. So a little uh, behind the scenes information for some of your listeners out there, you'll get a snapshot into a guy that I'm running, writing about, but it's actually going to be Rashad Penny for the Seattle Seahawks and uh, Seattle plays Minnesota next week. And then they have a buy. And after that buy Rashad Penny is eligible to come off the PUP a year removed. Or uh, well, he'll be a little under a year removed from that ACL injury around the 11 month mark, which is usually honestly the time that I prefer for a guy like Rashad Penny. And you and I have had conversations about Rashad Penny this off season, but I swear I'm not a Seattle Homer. I have no allegiance to Seattle. I just like what they're doing. I like what Russell Wilson's doing. I think Rashad Penny could be the receiving back in that team. And similar to like a Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, we've seen, you know, Chris Carson get banged up a little bit here. And that's certainly in his, uh, he, he hasn't been the epitome of health referring to Chris Carson. Um, Rashad Penny could be the receiving back. I think he's the best receiving back on that team and a team that's throwing the ball a lot. I want that guy. So there's a really good chance that in a lot of redraft leagues, uh, especially with the amount of injuries people have had to put players on IR, Rashad Penny sitting out there. I think he's a really good stash because he could be back in week seven and um, slowly start to kind of work into that receiving down role for the Seahawks. Yeah, I like that call. And we talked to the last episode about stashing guys that are on IR, like a Denzel Mims on your IR in fantasy, mm-hmm. just trying to have them there. Uh, it does get tricky though. Like you mentioned, like people are just hurt and you may have a couple of people that are out, but not technically on IR and some leagues don't allow out players on IR, which in redraft, I tend to still like out players on IR, but I understand it depends on the league. Some people are truest related to IR, but uh, yeah, I think Penny's a good ad and he may be on some dynasty league uh, waivers as well. I wouldn't be super surprised on more shallow leagues. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he's a potential buy in Dynasty just because of how great Seattle's offense has been this year. It was evident last year before he got hurt, like Rashad Penny is the best receiving back on that team. Yeah, that, that's a good call. And you could probably send like a 2021 third for him maybe, or maybe a better idea is more sending a, a running back that's getting points right now for him. Like, a, well, I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. do Gaskin currently. Uh, I can't really think of a great name. Maybe Dearness Johnson for Rashad Penny, potentially. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it kind of so, depends too because I definitely, I definitely would send Gaskin for Rashad Penny, but I'm I'm a big Rashad Penny stan, um, and I think like the fact that you hesitated on that would say that some people would say, oh, d- I definitely want Gaskin in that deal. So I, I think that's a potential trade that you could make for sure in Dynasty. Well, there you go, everybody. So awesome! I had a blast tonight, Adam. Do you have any projects you're currently working on? Yep. So I talked about it a little bit. I'm going to be uh, working something for the undroppables. It's going to be called Navigating Trades, the Injury Edition, where I'm going to talk about people like Rashad Penny, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Evan Ingram. Those are going to be some of the players that are included in there. Uh, make sure to check that out this week. It, it should hit this week um, and give you an idea of what I'm trying to do in, in redraft leagues, uh, acquiring some of these players and strategies around getting them. Awesome. Everybody make sure to go check that out. Also make sure to go follow Adam on Twitter at the real Adam underscore H and make sure to subscribe, rate and review to the snake of the draft podcast. Or if you listen to podcasts, and I want to thank you all for tuning in and let's be snakes this season.